0: Hello, welcome to the XX Mormon podcast. Uh, this is Heavenly Mother. I am conducting and presiding, I think that's how it works, presiding. And presiding. we have a guest, <laughs> presiding, and I'm here with our guest speaker. It is King David. <laughs> Hello, King David. <laughs> nice to have Hello, you. Heavenly
1: on. Mother, how are you today?
0: <laughs> I'm good, I'm peachy. Um, so some of the guests we've had on have been people I kind of have known, but we're all getting to know King David together as, as a unit. <laughs> all of us joined together. Um, so King David is an ex and tell us a little bit about your early life, getting to know you.
1: So I grew up in southern Idaho in a small town called Rexburg, Idaho. Um. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's familiar with it. Some of you might have visited it from time to time. Um, actually, my father was a convert. He joined the church when I was five. And my mother was less active most of her life until my father joined the church. And then, uh, yeah, that brought us from where we were in Colorado to Idaho. And yeah. Just kind of, mm-hmm. I was always the rambunctious boy in primary that the super friendly primary ladies hated because I couldn't be reverent ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just wasn't in my nature. It's actually <laughs> something that I I see in my own sons that I'm like, man, I hope that they don't break your spirit like they tried to break mine. Mm-hmm. That was always always a fun thing when your son comes to you and it's like he's just, they get the wiggles as we say and they can't. Express it for three and a half fucking hours at church.
0: (laughs) No, it's not natural. It's not normal. The expectation isn't realistic.
1: No, it's like, God, I don't even want to sit in church for three hours. How do you expect like a five-year-old to sit there? Actually, the the only time that I ever thought that there was a God and that the church actually might be true was when they shortened church to two hours. I was like, (laughs) there might be a chance. This might be true. This
0: is your sign. <laughs> this is your
1: sign. This is your sign. And then when COVID hit and they canceled church, I was like, well, fuck, maybe I've been wrong. <laughs> oh,
0: dib. no, for real. I have a kind of a funny story. that So I said out loud, as you never should do, right? Keep your thoughts mm-hmm. in bed, you know. So I right. said out loud when church got shortened, I was like, well, this is kind of nice. It's like giving back to the members who already work so hard. Like it's kind of giving, kind of easing up a little bit. And my bishop at the time, who was a real wackadoodle, was like, (laughs) how dare you? The church isn't easing up. It's getting harder (laughs) on its members. And I was like, Jiminy Christmas. Like, the way he perceived emotional labor is not the way I do, but continue. (laughs) So you're this rambunctious kid. Your dad's a convert. Were they from Idaho? Were they from somewhere else? So,
1: so no. So, we were actually born, like, my twin sister and I were born in Colorado. Um, We moved to Idaho when I was around the age of two. Uh, We kind of moved around small town Idaho, southern Idaho area, until we ended up in in Rexburg. Um, Dad joined the church when I was four or five. He had a hunting buddy. And it was funny, because later in my life, I'd never asked my father ever, like, why did you join the church, you know? I find myself on an LDS mission in Paris, France, and I remember being like, this sucks. Like, I need, like, I didn't have a testimony. Like, I was just there, like, trying to do this work that just fucking sucked. Like, literally the worst job I've ever had. (laughs) And I, like, remember, I wrote my dad, and my dad was like, I was expecting, like, this big, like, watershed moment. My dad's like, well, it's the first time in my life I ever saw people that actually lived their religion, so I figured I'd give it a try, and I was just like, I remember just being like, Jesus fucking Christ, like, that's, (laughs) that's, that's your conversion story, you know, like, so like, at that point, I was like, well, dad didn't have much to go on, you know, so I guess I didn't have much to go on either. But, you know, growing up, like, I was the kid. I I love shock and awe. Like, if I can shock you or make you be like, that's fucked up, like, then I've done my job. And so I never was gonna go on a mission. Like, people would come up to me at church and be like, "When are you planning on going on a mission? And I'd just straight to their face be like, I'm not. <laughs> like, see you later. Like, I don't care, you know. And uh, I always cursed. Like, I was I was the Rexburg rebel. Like, I remember there was a girl that wouldn't date me because I said, like, shit, you know. Like, that was, like, the worst thing that I did. was, like, I, I had a potty mouth. But, um, <clears throat> no, like, growing up, it was always like I was in because it was cultural you know yeah. like that's what everybody did rexburg has a fairly high percentage of lds people that live there and so it was like you either were lds or you didn't have friends you know i had some good i had some good friends growing up that you know like in young men's and stuff that made it so that we weren't doing church stuff like we go snowmobiling or go ride four wheelers and go do fun things instead of, you know, church activities. And so that also kind of kept me. And when I, when I got to the point where I turned 19 and I hadn't put my mission papers in, I had a, my Bishop at the time was actually, um, he'd been my priest quorum advisor prior to. So he and I were good friends. He owned a local car dealership. He'd taken us for rides in Corvettes and diesel trucks and stuff. And so, we were all pretty good friends. And I remember he'd like calls me in and he'd said, I remember I liked him because I remember he was going to say, he said bullshit from the pulpit once. And then he said, kick ass from the pulpit once. So he and I were like, we were on the same level, you know, but I remember he called, he called me in at 19. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? And I was like, you know, just working and school wasn't like on my radar really. Cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so he was like, well, have you considered a mission? And I'm like, absolutely not. And he goes, why not? And I was like, well, because I don't believe it. He's like, well, have you tried for an answer? I'm like, yeah, I've prayed about it. Like, I've, I've done my due diligence, you know. Like, I've given it a shot. And, you know, Moroni's promise ain't much of a promise. But <laughs> he goes, he, he says to me, though, he goes, well, you know, faith is about work. And he goes, let's start your mission papers. And if you don't have an answer, he's like, you'll read the scriptures and you'll pray. And if you don't have an answer by the time your mission call gets here, then you don't go.
0: Mm.
1: And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's you know, that seems fairly fair. Like now, see, and here's the tricky part, though, is what I didn't know that he did know was that when I started my mission papers, my parents were going to find out about it
0: Mm.
1: and everybody else was going to find out about it. And growing up, my twin sister was the perfect child. She literally was, like, the person that, like, you want all of your children to be like. Like, I hold nothing against her for her amazingness, you know. She's literally, like, an amazing person. Like, I love my sister. But growing up in a family where you have one child that is amazing, like, we always joke and say that she raised all of us. Like we have two younger siblings, six and they were six and seven years younger than us. I'd be like, yeah, she was watching all of us when she was like 10. So, you know, but in doing that, it was kind of like, it made it hard for me as a child to make my parents proud. Cause there was no competing with her. Right. Yeah. And that was like, I started my mission papers and then for the first time in my life, all of a sudden my parents were proud and had something to like tell people about like, oh yeah, you know. King David's getting ready to go on a mission. You know, he's, we're so happy. We're so excited. And my mother, she always struggled with like the cultural aspect of it. Cause she wasn't like, like, you know, the relief society president type. She was just like a, like I go to sacrament and go home type. So it was like, she, normal. she finally, yeah, normal. She finally had something though, that was like, she could tell people. And so, Obviously, I didn't get an answer because, you know, God's not real. So it was, <laughs> like, it was like, I'm sitting there and now I'm fucked. Like, there's no way I can back out of this at this point. Like, I'm committed. My parents are super proud. They're super excited. My sister's super proud, super excited. Like, everybody that I care about is, like, all in, right? And so I just kind of went with it. And then my mission call comes, Right. And I remember, like, my best friend comes over and his dad, who was a stake president, who was, like, a real person, which is unusual for stake presidents, but he was, like, legit, like, a real person. He comes over and I open up the mission call and it's fucking Paris, France. So it's like, I'm like, well, Jesus Christ, like, how do you, like, I don't want to go to France. I did want to go to France. Like, I want to get out of here, you know, like, let's go. (laughs) Let's go to France. And so, uh, so I went. And it sucked. It was like the hardest two years of my life. Like I remember literally like just the massive amounts of guilt I would feel like every day because you just weren't working hard enough. You weren't being efficient with your time. You just like weren't doing what you need to be doing. And at the same time, like struggling with like, is this shit even real? You know? And it's (laughs) like, I would, I would like read stuff and I'd like try to hold on to like, Like, I'd read, like, you'll know them by their fruits, and so I was like, oh, there's my testimony, the fruits, you know, like, and the good people that are in the church, you know, that's, that's the fruit of, of, you know, the church is the people, and so, like, I base, like, my entire testimony off of that, Ah. and so, yeah, it was shitty, (laughs) it's like, yeah, that was shitty,
0: Well it kind of reminds me, I haven't said it before on the podcast. I've been thinking about it. Your mission, what you're describing, like the fruits. For like for years, I struggled obviously to keep a testimony word, because like I'm out now. And there was this phase where just like you on your mission, I would be like looking for signs. Like like if like a Mormon was nice to me, or like church wasn't terrible that Sunday, I'd be like, you know what, this is a sign, I gotta stay. Like, right. This is a sign for like the church do something charitable. You know, like they'd make the news or sorry, I touched the my. They make the news for you know doing something charitable, giving to charity, helping some global crisis and I'm like, "Oh, that's my sign." And you just go off that and go off that and go off that for so long.
1: Well, um, and the thing yeah. the thing for me that was always like super difficult I mean, even after the mission, like, post-mission life and everything, right? It was, like, they, they played upon, like, your desires, right? Like, I think most people, there's some people that don't, but most people, they want to have a family. They want to be with their kids. You know, if they're married, they want to be with their wife. And so it's, like, this idea that that continues afterwards, like, people grab a hold of that and they hold on to it. And that was, you know, it's, like... I mean I manipulated people on my mission with that. You know, like yeah. don't you want don't you want to be, you know, don't you want to be with your family forever? Don't you want to have, don't you want to live the planet of happiness? You know? <laughs> like don't you want that? And it's like I don't think that there's anybody I mean there's probably somebody. Somebody's wife's probably a real bitch and somebody's oh a real he's a real douchebag, you know, that's like, I don't know if I want to spend forever with them, you know. But I'm just thinking as a couple people I know in the church and I'm like, yeah, if I was married to her, I probably wouldn't want to be I'd be probably like, like celestial, celestial Kingdom sounds pretty rough. <laughs> Standard yeah, I mean, church
0: I think that's like that's fair in, in the general sense, yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody, everybody wants, wants that. that. But it's also like I had this conversation. I was like, the church does this thing where they tell you the scary concept that you might not have thought of before. But it's like, wait, no, we have an answer for that. So I was like telling somebody, I think it was my husband, I was like, whoever said you wouldn't be with your family forever. You know what I mean? Like, what the average person, like, just go back in ancient times or whatever, wouldn't assume that we'd be, you know what I mean? But then the church is like, guess what? You might. to get forever, uh, to being together forever isn't a guarantee, homies. You got to do this thing, and you're like, "Wait, what?" Like, it, it tells you what to be afraid of. You know what right. I like? It tells you, absolutely, and then it gives the answer for you as well. Like, right. God, I didn't even know that was an idea. I didn't even know that could happen. It's like, well, it could, but yeah. for, for a measly fee of five hundred. Okay, <laughs> and then the sales switch comes in. Like eight
1: hundred dollars a month, you can join our special club.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of how it works. Is it fills you with this fear? It kind of reminds me of like commercials. Like, have you ever noticed your hands are dry and crackly, and you're like, "Didn't until now?" You <laughs>
1: pointed it out. No. <laughs> yeah,
0: you buy this lotion, <laughs> and
1: and that's like what they get you with. Like, so for me, like the initial was like the culture of it, right? And then as I got older, then it became like fear, especially when I started having kids, because it's like. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, if I fuck up, like, my biggest fear was that the shit was not true. Or what that it was, that sorry, not that it wasn't true, that it was true. And that if I, and if I screwed up, my family would suffer, right? Because I always talk about, like, oh, well, you know, cleaning the church on Sundays, you know, that gives you blessings. And, you know, being obedient, that gives you blessings. And so I'm sitting there, you know, like like, uh, I don't want anything bad to happen to my family. Right. And like, I'm like every guy in the world, like I viewed pornography and I cursed and, you know, like I was a, a pretty faithful husband, you know, other than, you know, just like pornography being like the big catalyst, you know, for every Mormon marriage ever is like, you know, say
0: that. it's part of the um, the structure is actually that, like the what you're talking about, like it's part of the structure like, anyways, okay, it's real deep psychology stuff. But yeah, right. the church gives you things that will be problems and right. then tells you, oop, we got the answer. But it right. actually is super not helpful or it accurate.
1: So, like, I struggled, like, critic on pornography. I struggled with, I didn't struggle. I started viewing pornography when I was like 11 mm-hmm. and into my 30s. It was an issue, right? And I literally, like, I went to the, every bishop I ever went to was like, pray to Jesus, and you know, like, if Jesus is real, he's a real dick because oh he never, God. ever tried to help me once. So it's like, fuck that guy, you know. Oh like,
0: God.
1: So it was like, you know, but like in the the fear of it was like, that oh I'm sinning, and then that's gonna like, that's gonna affect my wife and kids somehow. Right. Or it wasn't even like the afterlife. It was like the fear of like the now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just such a fear of everything is this intense reaction, action, reaction. Right. You know, like you cause do this, and effect. Yes, that's what it is. A real scary yeah. cause and effect that has no evidence or merit. But and then we've talked about it before on the podcast. When something right does happen. Then you're like, oh, it's because of the church. And then if something bad happens, you're like, oh, it's because of me. Right. I, I let it down, which is the same stuff you were taught on your mission. We all were as missionaries, right? Like, right. right. You're not getting the numbers because of you and like, you know, kind yeah. of all that stuff. So I feel I feel that. So how long after your mission did you get married and start a family? Like were you fresh off the boat?
1: So I came home, and I'm, I'd i been kind of writing to a girl, and she and I dated for a while, and then she was like, you're too straight-laced, I want to do cocaine, like, you wouldn't do cocaine with me, so she and I broke up, and then on the rebound, I met this girl, and mm-hmm. she was a BYU-Idaho student, kind of like, a, I think it was a blind date, some friends and I had set up. And uh, she was very aggressive sexually. She'd been married for two weeks previously. I I won't get into her issues, but I ended up committing a grievous sexual sin with her shortly after she and I met. And I remember I went to a, a bishop and was like, I'm breaking up with this girl. Like, you know, we did some things that, you know, we shouldn't have done. And the bishop, like, we didn't have actual intercourse, but like,
0: yeah, you don't have to. I got you. I mean, yeah,
1: it's like the bishop acted like we might as well have, right? And what he told I didn't me was he say
0: that though. Bishop yeah. say shit like
1: that. keep going. Yeah, he goes, um, well, you know, the best thing to do is to marry her, and keep the sin between you and she. And at the time, you know, I'm in this mountain of guilt, right? Like I've done this horrible thing, like. And he's like, because this is what he says to me, he goes, imagine that you meet a beautiful daughter of God and you take her to the temple and now there's this sin between you. And see, like, I always, like, I always, being post-mission, like, I'd probably only been off my mission for, like, let's see, this was probably in, like, January. I came home in September. So, like, I've only been home, like, a couple of months. So I'm still very, very much in, like, the structure of, like, when you you go you follow the rules, and then you, when you don't, you go talk to your priesthood authority, and that's like the structure that they set up. Like it's like the army, right? Like you go to your superiors, and you do what they say. And so as he's saying this, he's like, you know, I'm like, fuck, yeah, like, damn, like, I don't want to like carry that sin with me. And in my in like post after this whole shit show of a marriage happened, I was like. What I should have said was like, dude, if the atonement of Jesus Christ is real and any of that even means anything, then shouldn't I be absolved of all of my sins after I repent? You worthless fuck. Like what kind of a, what kind of a believing person is going to be like, oh, well you fucked up. So you better marry her. And just like, that's your life. So she and we were together for like a year and a half of like the most like just dysfunctional. Like she got physically violent with me like two weeks into the marriage. And it continued for a year and a half of just like physical, emotional, just like an absolute shit show. We went, we started seeing, we met with the Bishop every week for like a year and a half, like two weeks after we got married, we started meeting with him and met with him every Sunday. And then we did marriage counseling for like a year. And it was funny because the marriage counselor was like, you know, I feel like you've done everything we've asked. She hasn't really done anything. Oh, and by the way, she's planning on leaving you in three months.
0: Oh Why, was <laughs> Why was there that time limit? That was
1: time? that was when she graduated. So she oh, was okay. she was four years older than me. So she was getting ready to wrap it up, and she oh, she was so going to go home. Had no interest in staying for me. Just was going to leave. And so I ended things. Turned out she was cheating on me as some other guy during the the final kind of months that we were together, and then. I think I ended up back with the girl I was with before she and I ended up making some mistakes together. And then I met my most recent wife who okay. she and Are I ended up
0: having kids. I was gonna ask yeah. You
1: know, that's yeah. Okay. So, so she and I, she and I dated for like a year and a half. We ended up having four beautiful children together. Um, that's recently ended. Um, okay. you know, I don't know how into that you want to get, but,
0: no, it's okay. I mean, with with her and I, it was we're all um, in your wounds right now. Oh, yourself, like just bleeding scams. all over
1: the place. Oh. <laughs> okay, we'll,
0: we'll patch you up, David. We're yeah. we'll
1: patching you up. I so just, with, you know. <laughs> with her, it was like um, she was she was my kind of girl because when I met her, it was like she was cursing and she wasn't like your super Molly kind of person, you know. But it was what was interesting was like the transformation that she made and going from who she was when I met her to who she was when we got married, she went full Mormon. I would joke around and tell people that like, she was a Shiite Mormon. I was like, if, if when, when Hinckley calls for the, for the suicide bombers, like she's the first one to go blow up a mosque. Like she literally was like, she was, and still is like very much all in. And so Um, she and I suffered a loss. We lost twin boys uh, probably five years ago in December. And that was kind of like, for me up to that point, like I was in, like I was the elders Corn president. I was doing the PPI interviews and all that bullshit. Like I was, I didn't like it. I didn't ever enjoy it. I hated going to church. I liked the people that I met, like my friends and seeing my friends at church, I think is most people, right? But um, that was like the big there was always cracks in my testimony. There was always things that I didn't like. I didn't like how my mission explaining to an African family why they didn't get the priesthood until 1978. I knew the answer that, like, everybody said, but it just didn't feel right. It's like, well, if God's the same today, forever, and yesterday, like, why is it that in 1978, all of a sudden, he decides, like, well, I'm going to change, right? He didn't care about... <laughs> like... like the answer that they, that everybody would say was like, Oh, well it wasn't that the black people weren't ready. It was that the other members weren't ready. I'm like, since when has the membership of the church dictated God, you know? So that always kind of didn't sit good with me. And then, you know, just like other stuff, like, I don't know, just little things like that would just eat at me. That was probably one of the bigger ones. I made a lot of good friends with like Africans from Africa on my mission, a lot of French Africans. And, just great people. And I just be like sitting there like, man, like how do you buy this shit? Like just the fact that like you couldn't have had the priesthood 30 years ago or, you know, like it's so bogus. And so like there was always cracks, but then when we lost our, our boys, some anger started. It was like, I was like, I got into like the fuck you God mode pretty bad for a long time. And then I realized like, I'm mad at no one because god literally doesn't exist like he's not there he's not listening you know initially after it happened like it was guilt like i remember being like this is my fault like i did something that's why these boys died because there was literally there was like no reason like for what happened to happen it was literally like an act of god that they ended and so it was like you know that sucked and it was hard but it was almost like a blessing in disguise because that was what started me kind of down the path of like figuring out like why I was doing what I was doing for so long, you know, just.
0: That, that does remind me, Um, sorry, sorry to chime in a little. Um, no, Japan. That, <laughs> anyways, um, that does remind me cause I've had a couple, we've, you know, we've had different guests where there is like, this tragedy or this big shockwave experience that ends up being the domino that ends up being the, wait a minute. Like it ends up being that. And it is weird to think like if those certain domino moments, those shockwave horrible moments, horrible events hadn't happened, like where would we even be like that's right and and, it, and it's, it's really ironic because the church preys on those big moments of change and so it's very like poetic justice i think when it works against them when those shockwave right. moments instead of bringing because imagine like right you weren't a member and that tragedy happened to you and then some missionaries knock on your door you know what i mean like right it can it, it flips the other way um, but because the numbers are going down so severely, so intensely ever since the pandemic, I think a lot more people are on your end of the fence. So those are my little thoughts, um, to chime in. And so you started deconstruct, deconstructing, um, and how long was that process for you to be like, I'm going
1: to a- <laughs> <laughs> So like the, like immediately after it happened, like obviously like, uh- trauma a traumatic event like that you know it's like you're not really processing anything but anger and i remember like there was there was some really good people in the church that came over and and were actually helpful like uh the bishop at the time and his wife who were friends with us they came over and and his wife had suffered many miscarriages and so she she talked to my wife and i about it and was like this was my experience and it wasn't they didn't patronize they didn't try to tell us You know, like, it'll be okay. Like, they're just like, this sucks. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it's just going to suck for a long, forever. You know, not a day goes by that I don't think about two little blonde-haired boys running around the house that are missing because there's an age gap. So my children are 10, 9, 7, would have been 5, and 2, right? And so there's this big gap. And so, like, there's there's not a day that goes by that's not like, what if? But, um, you know, for me... It was almost like every time I'd be around Moe's, Mormons, sorry, I call them Moe's now, but every time I'd be around the Moe's, I'd be, I'd just be angry because they would come up and they'd say stuff like, oh, well, you'll get a raise them after the resurrection. I'm like, show me in any book anywhere written by any prophet where it fucking says that shit. And second off, it's not your place to fucking try to patronize me into like feeling good about it. Like, I'm sorry that my tragedy like makes you feel bad. But like the best thing to say, and this is one thing that like I learned from this was like when somebody suffers a loss, the best thing to say is I'm sorry. Cause that's literally the only thing you can say. You want to sit there and talk about like non-doctrinal fucking bullshit. Like that's fine, but don't try to bullshit me. Like, don't be like, Oh, well Jesus they're with Jesus. Now I remember somebody sent us a picture of Jesus holding twin boys, like babies. And I was just like, Like I had to look at that picture. It took me like two years to where I could like look at that picture and not just like want to punch it, you know, like my wife though, the way she dealt with it was so different than me. Like I put it all in a box and I keep it in this box and every once in a while some emotion comes out and I'll open the lid on the box and let out some of the crap. And, but she like went full on like posting on Facebook and Instagram and, and she was upset with me at the time because I wasn't, expressing the same amount of emotion and i'm like i literally can't it will destroy me you know and so i i i had a job where uh at the time i had a lot of time to think it was kind of a thoughtless job i was an underground miner, and you just find yourself sitting and waiting and thinking about stuff and that was kind of when i started just tearing it apart you know, piece by piece and and looking at everything as a whole and recognizing, I don't know what you would call it. I don't know what the psychological term is it, but like uh, when people are brainwashed, it's like they're, they're trained in, internally inside of their brain to answer their doubts or their fears with these pre-programmed questions, you know, like, oh, well, you don't like doubt your doubts, don't doubt your faith, you know, kind of stuff. And so I, I was like, I started recognizing that, like, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head right now, but like, like just stupid stuff. Like, you know, like what's the one, um, man can't know everything that God can know. Right. Like, that's like people's favorite thing when they can't explain something. They're like, no, that God knows, but you're dumb ass. You can't figure it out. And I'm like, <laughs> literally, literally give me a try. Like I'm, I'm not as dumb as some people might think I might be able to handle it. Like explain to me, God, why two little boys couldn't come to my, my house, you know, live with us, like explain that to me. And, um, I remember I was, it was probably six months after I realized that it was, that I didn't believe it at all, that I never really had believed it. It was just like, I was born into it and got, caught and tricked up by a really intelligent Bishop that was like, I'm going to set him down. Like you set him down the path of a mission. And then it's like, you get taught, you know, the way of the church and kind of the structure and the function. And you get so caught up into that LDS machine where they just turn out members. You know, the mission isn't, they'd always say like the missions, three goals are redeem the dead, perfect the saints. And Whatever the last one is, I can't remember now. But
0: same, I can't remember either, It wasn't that yeah, long
1: ago. But it wasn't that. It is, you know. This was unfortunately this is a long time ago for me. But you know, it's like we would say, like, and the fourth one was for yourself. That's why you go on a mission. Yeah, we and heard
0: it, that
1: too. And it literally is like that. Is their goal is to train you to be good members of the church? You know, like. And so they get me going down that path, and I just blindly went and just, you know, ate it up and drank the Kool Aid. And um, I remember the the day that I realized I didn't believe it anymore. I was like, "Fuck! Like, what do I do? Like, I'm married to this girl. I got these four kids. We have an ideal life. Do I risk fucking it up to just be honest with myself?" And I was like, you know, I can deal with it. Like, you know, there's good people in the church, and I, I should say, I should backpedal a little bit. So, two weeks after my wife miscarried our twin boys, so she was far enough along, we had to give birth to them. That was how horrific this was, right? It wasn't like, oh, flush him down the toilet, and it looks like like blood. Like I held him in my hands, right? Like it was, it was, it was shit. Yeah. And um, me being a twin, I think that made it harder on me as well, but. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. I
0: forgot that. I forgot that you had yeah. said that.
1: But yeah. So it was like this weird connection that I have to these two dead babies. But um, no, so like two weeks afterwards, we were on the list to clean the building. And my sister's, my sister in law was in town to be with my wife, who was a wreck. I'd just gone back to work and I got a call. And we'd planned on going and doing some fun stuff as a family to try to just misdirect our thoughts for a little while. Right. And this guy calls me on the phone and he's like the super, just super Mormon guy. And he's all, Hey, uh, you have the keys for our group to clean the church. You're the oldest Corn president. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to make it today. And um, he's like, okay, well, if you could just drop the keys off, we'll go do our part of the list and then you can do it later tonight. And i was like i will drop the keys off for you um i can't promise anything so we dropped the keys off they go and clean like half the church or whatever and then he texts me and he's like did you get it done and i was like no i absolutely did not get it done <laughs> like are you kidding me you know so what was ironic about it was a month or so later when it was our turn to clean the church again with this guy again my my wife at the time she was down with her family and so she's out of town. I was working. He texts me, Hey, are you going to be able to clean? Or I need the keys from you to clean the church. And I was like, I'm literally on my way home from night shift. Like, I'm not going to be able to make it. And he goes, This is getting unacceptable. He's like, You didn't make it last time. You're not going to make it this time. I was like, Motherfucker, like, this is verbatim. My Texas guy is like, Motherfucker, my wife miscarried babies last time two weeks before I'm like, I think we get a pass on this one. She's literally down in Arizona with her family right now. And I was like, I don't have time for this. I'm like, do not ever text me again. Do not ever call me again. If you need someone to clean the church with you, you better find somebody else. And he texts me back and he goes, well, my, so this is a 65 year old man. And he texts me back. He goes, well, my mother-in-law's in the hospital with a broken hip right now. We all have problems, but we still have to do our duties. And I just said, Dude, did you honestly just compare your aged mother-in-law's broken hip to my wife and I losing two twin boys? I was like, you can go fuck yourself. And I have I didn't I didn't ever have the displeasure of dealing with that man again. But if I would have, it probably would have ended poorly for him. But that was like that was like kind of my experience with like some of the members after suffering like a massive tragedy that just made me be like, well, maybe it's not as true is what they claim it is.
0: Well, isn't it funny how that's like the antidote antidote, sorry, I talk funny, it's not an antidote <laughs> to what your father said was his reason. Right. Right? Like right. The people people live that man was exposed to a lot of lead. I like, can tell by his age. So that was like, <laughs> that was rampant, okay, it was like microplastics now. <laughs> and there's just like and that does that does lead does affect empathy actually. Like it really does. Right. So I'm not excusing his behavior. I'm just giving some no. reasons. No. Um, <laughs> so I feel like what a weird, what a full circle. You know what right. I mean? Like right. that was your dad's reason for coming in, which totally affected you. Like I, I relate to your your parents being converts, or your you know your father right. was converts, your mom being less. Because my parents were converts, and so then we're raised in the church, and it's it's a very different experience to be raised in or convert. Right. Um, and the family went from the super normal place. Like, Colorado is a normal place. Idaho is not right. normal. <laughs> no. Idaho Idaho, and Utah and Arizona are deep, in parts of Montana as well, are, mm-hmm. and Wyoming, like, deeply affected by the church and church culture and church history. And even if you, you leave the religion, there's still those, like, cultural just ideas that float. So your family went from, like, a pretty safe place to, like, into the belly of the beast, like, into kind of the dungeon of of the church culture. Uh, But the same reasons that sort of got y'all into it, like, weird, because you're finding the opposite on the other end. Um, And so, I mean, if if that wasn't your straw that broke the camel's back moment, I don't know what would be.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was funny because I, I told him, I'd said, well, I said, you could get all the extra blessings that I'm not going to get from cleaning the church this week. Like, they're all yours, you know, like, take them. But, you know, that was, for me, that was just like, that was just one example of, like, I had, I remember when I was, when I was uh, younger and, and should have been preparing for a mission. As some would say, I had this neighbor that like asked to be my home teaching companion. Cause my dad and I weren't doing our home teaching. Cause he's a convert and he felt weird going to <laughs> someone's house and reading a magazine that they have too. you know? So it was like <laughs> dad and I weren't like the most devout. And this guy literally like made it his mission to like show me the way and like how to be a good priesthood holder and shit. Like, I remember sitting, so like I had this friend, he was my teacher's quorum advisor, he and I were good friends, and he had all daughters, and I remember sitting there as this (laughs) home teaching companion of mine gave a lesson on pornography to a family full of girls that were my age, and so I'm just sitting there like, I'm the only one in this room looking at pornography right now besides you, because you're divorced, so I'm sure you're beating it, but...
0: Oh, my God. It was, like,
1: stuff like that was just, like, it was so regular that it just became, like, the deviation of – or normalization of deviation. Like, you just get so used to just wackadoo stuff that you're just, like (laughs) – This is how it is. Like, this is just... This is normal, you know? It's normal to tell somebody who just lost twin babies that, like, your mother-in-law's hip is equal or equivalent, so get your ass over here and clean the church. Like, (laughs) I'm sick of vacuuming up all these goddamn goldfish by myself, you know? It's like...
0: Oh, Jesus. It does remind me, and especially with, like... I mean, I'll probably do an episode about it with my sister, probably, there is this very awkward dynamic between men and women in the church that comes from like those type of situations. And it's like this stain that like, just carries with us as we go older, like all these moments where we're like, God, I remember when that happened when I was, <laughs> when I yeah. was a youth, you know, like it's just, they're so bad, but you're right. It becomes normal. And then we look back and we're like, no, that wasn't normal. And
1: well, it's like, like, look at like the Bishop's interview. Oh, God. So my 11-year-old daughter, because my my soon-to-be ex-wife is still all in. And my 11-year-old daughter, she starts Young Women's this month. Well, she started in January, right? And so, like, one of the things that they're doing now with these kids is, like, they're getting them Tempo Recommends at 11.
0: I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So she went in for this Tempo Recommend interview, and she was was with me. I, I have them over the weekends, and I do allow my wife for keeping the peace every other Sunday. Yeah. I let her come and get the kids and take them to church. Cause it's important to her. And I'm trying to be as civil as I can.
0: Yeah. You do what you gotta do.
1: And, uh, so my daughter is telling me, yeah, dad, I got this, uh, I got this temple recommend interview. And I'm like, Oh really? And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I immediately text my ex wife and I say, Hey, not okay with her meeting with the bishop one-on-one. Yeah. It is just the most awkward thing ever to have yeah. to sit there and tell an adult male, even as another male. I remember at 12 talking about masturbating and I like looking back, it's just like, what in the actual fuck are these stupid fucks thinking that that is like an appropriate conversation for a stranger to have with a child.
0: Uh. I agree. I agree. It's, it is majorly concerning. You do have the right, as far as I understand, to be able to sit in on those.
1: So I texted, I texted her. I said, you're going to be there or she's not going. And then I texted this Bishop who I actually had his number because he'd reached out to me when my wife and I started having problems three months after he found out that we were having problems and that she'd already moved out and wanted Mm -hmm. to find out my side of the story. And I was like, dude, I'll meet with you at my house, but I'm not coming to your office. And I said, and I'm only going to be looking at you like a dude that lives down the street that my wife has told way too much shit to. And he bumbled it pretty bad. Like he, he screwed that up, which is fine because it was probably going to be over anyways. But, um, yeah, I texted him directly and said, Hey, I am under under no circumstances. Are you to meet with my daughter one-on-one without her mother present? I said, I do not, um, consent to that and i said and if i find out that you did you're going to wish that you'd never been born you know like
0: honestly as someone who you know i am a woman and i was in the church it is we There's it, we, just we don't have time <laughs> right there's enough time in the world to go into the levels of inappropriate that happens oh yeah sorry hold on i gotta push my diaphragm almost makes me emotional because your daughter is like right at that age where (sighs) you're doing the best you can you you are being civil you are being all that you can be right now and i'm really happy that you put your foot down about this uh because those it's I have to, literally have to push on my diaphragm the way that it is for young girls who grow up into young women who grow up into adult women in the church, like the toxicity, the bad things that happen and with your boys too, with your sons as well. Oh, you yeah. just can't risk it. You have to do all that you can to prevent it because it, it's, it's rampant in the church. Oh, yeah. Abuse in general, abuse period general doesn't even have to be child specific. Right. It is, it is, rampant <laughs> like, it's well, a huge problem <laughs>
1: like and ah! it's like it's like that whole like the ones that you hear about for every one you hear about there's 10 more that you don't
0: oh exactly oh exactly and the average i pulled up the there's st- stats you can find on everyone listening go to rain.org and you can find mm-hmm. rain with two ends. you can find all the stats you need to know um but it is it is such a it is it's like that yeah one in eight you know for everyone that comes forward right. we don't even know the number for men because usually men come forward 40 years after the incident happens right so we what we're gathering it now like it's just wow i've got to turn around and make it a little funny because we are a little sad there a little dark <laughs> and <bleak> there. I'll, <laughs> I'll crack a, i'll crack a few jokes I'll, I'll sprinkle it in there um so where where are you now with your faith religion
1: all that stuff so so after after kind of doing six months of being out but in i just sat the wife down said hey i don't believe this and she actually at the time she goes yeah i know she goes i know you've been there for a long time and she said uh you know i hope you know that that you can find something that makes you happy and uh, we made it work for quite a while. Um, there was one moment when uh, she, it was the night she was about to give birth to our our last child. She asked me for a blessing in front of her family. And they didn't quite know yet that I'd left. And so I just looked at her and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, did you seriously? What I should have done at the time was I should have just bullshitted it because I, I bullshitted every blessing I'd ever given in my entire life, but it just felt different <laughs> this time, you know? I was yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah,
0: yeah, I get you. You know, Jesus
1: wants you to know uh, to make me a sandwich tomorrow for lunch, you know, pastrami on rye. Like, that's that's what the blessing is. It's whatever your husband or your father wants you to do.
0: It's like... Oh, God, you're
1: it's right. Literally, you it's literally, it's... Oh, oh, it's <laughs> so, it's so, like... It's whatever the luck of the draw is of who you married, like how abusive they're going to be with what they say. You're
0: right, though. I mean, we laugh, but like,
1: it's it's like, (laughs) rub your husband's feet and sex three times a day. Like, don't get mad at him. Let him watch football on Sundays. You know, it's like you literally have this unhealthy flex over your wife that you could just be like, I'm just going to, you're going to do whatever I say, and I'm going to say it's from God.
0: It's so awful. And I mean, that's the origin of the church. It's right. very... So that kind of... So you said no at that time, really. Like hard pass. Oh, yeah. I
1: was like, well, I was like, why don't you ask your brother, since he's still a member of the church? You know? And uh, she was like... She's all... It, it affected her, and we discussed it afterwards. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was like... I was like, that was fucked up that you asked me to do that. She's like, I know, I just wanted comfort, and you were the person I was turning to. And I was like, then you should have asked me for something different. You should have been like, will you come put your arm around me and tell me everything's going to be okay instead of laying your hands on my head like a fucking weirdo? Like, <laughs> whoever, whoever, come up with that? Like, I just want to be like, what? And like, what world is that? Like, a normal, like, there, way?
0: There oily hands on my head. Like, I oh. wash. Like, if I wash my hair, like, no. You know what I mean? I, re-
1: like, I remember every time I ever got a blessing, just like the weight of like old man hands.
0: <laughs> just like
1: pushing down. Like so weird. But it was, like it hurt uh, my neck.
0: It, like hurt your neck, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like
1: you're it, they like push you forward. You know? Ugh. Like like, oh, you're gonna feel what we want you to feel, bitch. Like, take it.
0: <laughs> oh god. That's awful. I never thought about it that way, but I mean, you know what? Oppression be oppressing.
1: Oh, well like, it's like I mean, it just, it is like, and it's, it is like, if, if you have like an oppressive misogynistic chauvinist of a husband or father, then you will be oppressed. That's just the way of it. You know, like <laughs>
0: the math is math.
1: L- lucky for me, my dad was Catholic and he was like, you know, state conference for us was a trip into the mountains to have a picnic. Like we weren't going to that shit. Like, so, oh so,
0: so anyway, so that was like a big,
1: that was like a, like once her family kind of found out, that was like, I was able to be more open about it. Like up to that point, I just wasn't going to church anymore. Like I wasn't participating, you know? And so, um, yeah, like I just, I don't, you know, people like ask me, like, what do you believe then? Like I still have friends who are Mormon and they'll like, they get like, I don't know. It's weird. They get like offended. They're like, I figured out stuff, but it's almost like they're like, they're offended because they know that it's not true themselves and they question it, but they're like, how dare you take a step that I'm afraid to take?
0: That's like, deep how, I think
1: that's... like, how dare you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, So wife had a friend whose husband was a convert. And I remember she found out and she like came over and was like, will you talk to John? And I'm like, why? And she's like, just promise me you'll talk to him. And I'm like, he and I aren't even, like, we're friends, but, like, we're not that good of friends. And, like, I'm not the kind of person to just, like, I'm, I'm leaving the church. Oh, wait, but John said not to. So, guess <laughs> <'cause> I'm back <laughs> in, you know, like.
0: <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. That's actually one of the reasons I got my records removed was because I can't take stuff like that. I yeah. can't handle it. If you if you love me which happened like I've been love bombed. I'll go to church that Sunday. Does it make me have a testimony? Does it make me less triggered by the experience? No, but I'll go to make you happy. You know what I mean? Like the love bombing stuff would work on me because Mormon people are so nice to your face.
1: Well, they're so Uh, good at it. (laughs)
0: Brownies. (laughs) Yeah. Like I would, I would, uh, I would give into that. So one of the many reasons I was like, you know what? I need my records removed so people won't be peeping by. And and, See, tell
1: me and I'm kind of thinking about reinvestigating the church just so I can get some of the home baked goods brought to my house as I'm investigating <laughs> the church. You know, like. <laughs> See, you know, right. what?
0: all that goes away once you convert.
1: Isn't well, yeah, then bad? you then you'd leave again, right?
0: <laughs> Word, good plan, good plan. because yeah. all that like, is all. It's like a trick,
1: right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like get him a friend, get him a calling, keep him, keep mm-hmm. him trapped. But no, like, so for me, like, I didn't really run out and find anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't believe in Christianity. I don't believe, like, God is a person. I don't believe, like, I, there's a John Muir quote that I really love, and it's, um, I'd rather be in the mountains thinking about God than be in church thinking about being in the mountains. And mm-hmm. I just try to live that, like, Every chance I get, I'm outside, I'm in the mountains, I'm just observing what is around me, like what's created by whatever created us, you know? And so, like, I find, like, I find I'm more spiritual than I was as far as, like, I I notice things that the universe does. There's, like, manifest generation, like the the human design, like, I've started seeing that, like role that it's played in my life like that is real i used to think it was kooky hippie shit and now i'm like oh no this stuff has like real power like to actually do stuff if you know what you're doing which i don't but you know i'm just kind of trying to learn i don't try to poo poo anything like if if someone believes something i'm more than happy to listen to them you know, like, as long as you don't try to Jesus me, like, don't Jesus fuck me. I've dealt with that guy before. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go down that road of guilt and shame. And like, you know, I was telling this friend of mine the other day, he's like, well, he's like, you know, like, you know, Christianity, this and that, and like, how can you deny it? And I'm like, well, here's the deal, bud. I'm like, Christianity is control. It was invented to control any religion is invented to control it's invented to keep the masses stated i'm like if you look at it you know like during like the the dark ages like that was the kings were always battling against the pope for power and why because that's all it was was about power and if you can get people believing like a similar thing you can control them oh well don't kill people because that's a sin Right. Well, you can't have your people out just murdering each other. Like, then you don't have any people to go fight the other people that live next door. You know, so they they make up these rules that are, you know, just general, probably good guidelines to live by for the most part. But like, you shouldn't have to like be afraid that you're going to burn in hell because you didn't kill your neighbor because he fucked your wife in front of you. You know, like it's like. Uh, but uh, no, like, like for me, like, and the the wife. So we were married for probably three years or so um, with me out of the church. And she actually even commented um, as we were going kind of through our separation process. um, I brought it up. I said, would you leave the church for me? And she said, no, that would, that would be wrong. And I'm like, well, you asked me to come back to the church for you to keep you. And I said, I was willing at the time. I was like, I'll go and I'll sit in sacrament. I'll wear jeans and cowboy boots and I'll sit there and I'll listen but I'm not going to like it. And she goes, you wouldn't come to Sunday school and sit by me. I said, they wouldn't want me in Sunday school. Cause I would shred. I would, I would just, I can't, I can't sit and not call out people on their bullshit. And so I was like, I actually would really like to, but I don't think it would go well.
0: Yeah. But, no, just, you, know, they, you end up making a scene and then weirdly up, uplift their faith Somehow. I, they twisted right. into some. Well, did
1: you just? Yeah, you know how they would do. Yeah, right.
0: you know how they would do. It would turn into some weird testimony building. Moments. It was like, oh, did I,
1: I, I didn't. I, did, I didn't know that your church was true until until <laughs> that guy came in and, and called Joseph Smith out for fucking a thirteen year old behind his wife's back. You know, like yeah.
0: I mean, it was rape. I mean, that's the, I mean it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that was
1: that was something I argued with this friend of mine the other day. I was like, so explain to me. I'm like, God's the same today forever and yesterday or whatever. I'm like, why is it no longer okay to marry 13-year-olds behind your wife's back? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, Joe Joe, the pedophile Joe married a 13-year-old girl (laughs) and had kids with her.
0: Horrible. Just, you know, it kind of, I think things really, we're running out of time, but I do think that things are such a game changer in a good way, but also in a painful way when we leave the church and we don't just leave it as, oh, this religion didn't work for me. We leave it and see it as an abusive institution. Right. When that happens, then any try to, any try to compromise, any kind of games you tried to play before simply can't be played. This isn't right. a normal church. And I, I agree with you a lot on things about Christianity as an American-like word. Like, right. Christianity right. has done us very well It's historically right. speaking. Um, right. and native Christians, and I respect them and their faith. I'm just not one of them. But I think when you see it for all of the abuses and see just how abusive, you know, the origin Joseph Smith was and the other men at that time, it's like, yeah, you can't just go to sacrament and be, right. and go to Sunday. You know what I mean? Like I, I can, I, I can see that. <laughs>
1: well, it's like, it's like they lit, they rule with fear and shame. You know, like if they get you afraid that something bad's gonna happen and they get you ashamed of the things that you've done, then they have full control, you know? And like you know, I had my records removed once I decided to be done with my wife. I'd left them in for for her because I didn't like it's like I didn't care. Like it's hocus pocus anyways, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like I'm married to a Mormon, like they're not gonna they're not gonna leave me alone ever, right? But then once <laughs> Once I called it quits with her, I, it's really easy. You just send an email to the church records. Like you can get online. There's a guy that does it, but there's a, like, literally there's an email you copy and paste and send it to him. And I got a letter back in a week and they're like, oh, you're Bishop and you're state president. Well, we consider this an ecclesiastical matter. And so they'll be contacting you. And I was like, the fuck they will, because they're afraid of me. Like they don't want to deal with me.
0: I was about to say that, King David. It's easy depending on how your bishop feels about you. Oh, yeah. That's for determining it's easy, because I had to go through that lawyer guy. I had to right. go through him. Mormon.org. I had to go mm-hmm. through him because I'm nice and I'm pleasant and I give into to love bombing. So I got to get a middleman. <laughs>
1: right. Somebody, somebody to, It's like quitting the gym. <laughs> like, you have to send a, send a physical letter. It's like, I just want to quit the gym. I just want to yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> makes me laugh that is, that's
1: such a hilarious comparison yeah it's like no they, they make it hard to join and they make it hard to stay and then they make it hard to harder to leave you know it's like but <laughs> yeah I I mean I, I feel like I probably like I'm probably a happier person than I ever have been mostly because I'm just being honest with myself. And it's like, I try to live, I live an honest life and I try to treat people accordingly. You know, I, I feel like you don't have to be Christian or Mormon to be like a good person. You know, and that's like, that's like my main thing like that I try to do with my kids. is like, just teach them like, Hey, look, like the church has some good things. You could probably learn from it, but it also has some really messed up stuff that they've done and that they teach. And, you know, a hundred billion dollars sitting in the bank, but they don't have any problem taking money from me. And, You know, it's like, um, you don't have to be Christian to be, like, a good person. You don't have to be Mormon to be a good person. Like, your character is your own, and you said that. And hopefully, you know, in a couple short years, these kids will realize, like, it's a bunch of bunk. And I hope my ex-wife leaves the church for herself. And, you know, anybody and everybody that could get out, just get out. Because you will find that, man, like, the lack of guilt and shame in my life. Like I'm not depressed anymore. I don't want to, you know, in my life, like, cause I watched a dirty R rated movie, you know, it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know,
0: It makes me laugh. Like it, so many things that, when I'm trying to go into all of them, but so many things that you're taught in the church are not psychologically health, like healthy. <laughs> no. No. And I mean, like that's, that's, that's one of them. But, um, No, fair enough, I mean, I do hope everybody gets out as well. (laughs) Tee hee 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 (laughs) hee, the mischievous little laughter. Um, And I do hope for the best. And I, I think that they will. Like, I'm very optimistic that they will, that your kids will figure it out. I think it's very much healthy that they have somebody who's open-minded in the mix. You know what I mean? Right. You're open-minded. You're in the mix. That's going to be helpful and healthy. Um, we did this episode. It's called missionaries on Facebook, but like the cat's already out of the bag with the church, you know, like yeah. people are figuring it out. Do you have any, we're at the one hour mark. Do you have any closing thoughts?
1: Um, you know, the church is not true. Like <laughs> I say these things, <laughs> the, ch- the church is not true. I say these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Right, like I mean, do
0: you want to do
1: want to close in His name? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, c- I'll close in the name of Jesus, fucking Christ.
0: <laughs> oh my God! Or the one, the other one, Jesus H Christ. What's Jesus H-, H Christ. What's
1: the H? Jesus, uh, but they don't know how to spell. Right, they think it's an H.
0: Different letters, yeah. Oh God, like the people, like I've had Mormons say like jalapenos are like jalapenos. I'm like oh my God, oh, jalapenos. <laughs> All, right. So All right, bye. I'll just stop it. Okay, All right. Please say this thing in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>